Hello, and welcome to the TV Movie Rewind Podcast with Matt and Todd. Hi, everyone. Today, we've got two guests uh, with us as as usual for these excursions into the Super Friends. We have Mike. Welcome back, Hello Mike. Again. Hey, Mike. Hey, great to be here. And also, we have a very special guest. So he's a professional podcaster, guys. So try to make it seem like we know what we're doing. <laughs> Never. We have... Firestorm superfan from the Fire and Water Network, the Irredeemable Shag. Professional. I don't think that word has ever been used to describe my podcasting efforts, but I sincerely appreciate that. And, you know, I, I was thinking, this is sort of perfect. So, you know, Mike's a guest here. I'm a guest. You know, Mike and I, we could be the fire. I could be the Ronnie Raymond. He could be the Professor Stein. We could make oh, this perfect. work. Nice. Perfect. <laughs> I like it. I, you know, I have, I do have a burning uh, Firestorm question, actually, because I didn't Uh-oh. know, I, I didn't know much about him uh at all except for this uh, this season of super friends right mm-hmm. so when he's first introduced you know he's called firestorm and he mentions that he came up with the name and it's like okay that explains why it seems kind of random because at first it's like all right your powers are cool but i don't really get where the firestorm bit comes from right and then i run into a bit and it's like okay it's like nuclear it's like oh, I, all right i get it like now it now it like it clicks a little bit more but then that, that makes me wonder, which is the inevitable question with any two superheroes, especially in the DC universe. But I feel like Firestorm can take Superman then, because can't he just create like a red sun or whatever color sun he feels like? Oh, Firestorm is ridiculously overpowered. Okay, that's way, that's way like it. Yeah. He, he's got basically wish fulfillment powers, really. Right. The only limitation is organic stuff. The way that they <laughs> sort of rein him in is the fact that Ronnie Raymond, he's a dumb jock. I mean, that, the, the old slogan that uh, Jerry Conway, the guy who created him, used to use was he basically said, all right, imagine the opposite of, of Spider-Man. Rather than Peter Parker getting bit, what if Flash Thompson got bit? What if Flash Thompson okay. got the powers? <laughs> That's what Firestorm is. He's the dumb jock who got the powers. And then Professor Stein is always like, dude, what are you doing? Knock okay. it off. <laughs> okay. All right. I dig it. I get it. What is so? And, and you know, granted, this is in Super Friends world, which may have nothing to do with the comics. But every so often, it implies that he's going to run out of power. Is that a thing? No, I think that's mainly just. I mean, you see the same. Like, there's a couple scenes where in these seasons where Dark Side's like going to run out of power. Yeah. I think it's they're just trying to show the the characters like might have a limit or something. Gotcha. But yeah, you don't really yeah. see that in the comics much. Okay. Does he even have a weakness? Uh, I, the organic thing is really it. Organic. Yeah, okay. that and again, being dumb. Fair enough. All right, cool. He and I share that, actually, being dumb. (laughs) If if Firestorm had been a Marvel character, it would have been Peter Pyros and Professor Storm. And that's how they would come up with the name. There you go. Well, yes, that would but that would have been their actual names, yeah. Like his last name would have actually been Pyros, yeah. Yeah, Marvel can't resist yeah, names that are too on the nose. It's one thing to be alliterative, but then they have to be really on the nose with some of them. Johnny Blaze. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so this is us wrapping up. We've, we've done three episodes covering the Super Friends so far. This will be our fourth and final episode covering the last two seasons. Uh, Shag, you're you're joining us for the first time. So, what is your experience with the show? Have you did you watch it when you were a kid? Um, like when it was originally on Saturday mornings, because this is the show that really I, I must have been watching it in 1978 mm-hmm. when, when it became the all new Super Friends, and and I've read comics since I was five or six. Haven't ever looked back, and 
when I was a kid, I was much more of a DC guy because of this cartoon. I knew all the characters. I knew the Justice League, mm-hmm. and the Justice League was my favorite book. And that's actually where I met Firestorm for the first time when he joined the, the Justice League in that that brilliant cover that always just... I don't know why they always wanted to make Superman seem like a real jerk. <laughs> the cover is him going, from now on, Firestorm's a member of this team, you know. I don't care what you jerks have to say about it. <laughs> Super dickery is a thing. It's a real problem in the Bronze Age. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was my introduction to the character. And, of course, it was, you know, a number of years before he made the jump to the cartoon. Mm-hmm. So uh, to answer your question, uh, my I don't remember a time when I wasn't watching Super Friends. Like you know, this started in what, like seventy three, if I recall. So yes. um, by the time I was watching TV, it was already on the air, and I watched it every Saturday. You know, I'm sitting there with my my bowl of choco sugar pops or whatever, right? And I'm watching. I'm up at six in the morning to start watching ABC cartoons. So I don't remember a time before Super Friends. I mean, Challenge the Super Friends, much like you guys, it really imprinted on me as well. So Challenge the Super Friends was absolutely a favorite. All that stuff. And so by the time this came around with Firestorm in, in 1984, I was already starting to just dip my toes into comic books. Like I was reading uh, Secret Wars for Marvel. I was reading some Star Wars comics. And then I, my first exposure to Firestorm was also this cartoon. And I said, whoa, you know, who is this guy? This is awesome. So I got on my bike and I rode up to the little grocery store, uh, the convenience store, and bought two issues of Firestorm that were sitting there on the shelf. Uh, because unfortunately his comic didn't sell that well. So I bought two issues of Firestorm <laughs> and uh, I became a lifelong fan at that moment. So literally Super Friends was my introduction and what made me starting buying Firestorm on a monthly basis. For, you know, for the longest time, I honestly thought Firestorm was made up for the Super Friends. <laughs> I, I had never heard of him. It just seemed so out of nowhere and the power seemed so random mm-hmm. that it wasn't until I finally saw him at the comic book that I actually realized he was, he was a, actually, he came from the comics. He was... You, you, yeah, you're not you could tell I didn't. You could tell I didn't share my comics with Todd. <laughs> <laughs> no, not necessarily. I, another another firestorm question because I am entirely confused. Right, <laughs> at least based on based on Super Friends, is that supposed to be his hair or is it supposed to be fire? Because I look at the comics and it seems like it's supposed to be fire. I look at the cartoon, I'm not sure because in season nine. It seems like it could go either way, depending on the panel. And in season eight, it's not animated at all, so I have no idea. I'm so glad you brought that up. That's absolutely one of my notes. All right, so in the first uh, Super Friends, the su- legendary superpower show, the first season there of, with Firestorm, it's like a plastic mold, right? <laughs> like, it is not moving. It is perfectly shaped. It's got – it looks like the top of, I don't know, like a, a, a pretty flashlight or something right, like that. Right, right. Exactly. And um, it's supposed to be fire. In fact, you can hear the crackling of fire, but, man, that sucker oh, ain't moving at all. Okay. And then – then when you get to the following season, they did make it move. However, I guess they're scared of kids setting their hair on fire. So it's almost uh, like, is is that just red hair? That's like it got too much hairspray flo- yes. floating around? Or is that, I mean, it really doesn't qu- still quite look like fire. So yeah, it's absolutely supposed to be flame. You're supposed to look like a Bunsen burner, right? Got it, okay. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it wasn't until, uh, yeah, until you get years later and other stuff where it actually looks like fire. But yeah, so I'm guessing it was they were scared of kids setting their head on fire. Yeah, I think they were trying to leave it. It's like it's like they couldn't decide either way, so they just made it hair that vaguely looked and sort of acted like fire. Because in some scenes, it's like, okay, that's definitely fire. And then in the very next scene, it's like, 
okay, that's hair. And yeah. then when he's, when he's Bizarro Moon. Oh my gosh. Palm, he's got like that mop. So I'm like, all right, it's definitely hair, but I don't know. That Bizarro episode is so funny. Yes. That's that's one of my favorite episodes. Actually, it might be my favorite episode of the uh, of these last two seasons. A, a conspiracy theory: Maybe Dairy Queen was a sponsor, and they wanted it to sublimely <laughs> look like soft serve cone. Nice. It, that's a good call. I mean, it really does look like that in that first season with Firestorm. It's so it's such a crisp mold. It's <laughs> yes, and it and it it's so disturbing and, and distracting, and then it never moves. I was watching it. I found myself just hypnotized by it, just wondering if it would ever <laughs> budge in the slightest because I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be until the very until the next season. I'm like. Like, oh, that's hair? Right. Sure, right. okay. <laughs> it's a really ugly hat. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they, they definitely make a big deal of Firestorm being part of the show. Because one, this is the first time they've had a new character since it became the all-new Super Friends. Yeah. And the, the introduction of every episode says, specifically, introducing Firestorm. Right. Isn't that, that is so weird. Because, right, yeah, like, El Dorado didn't get that. You know, Apache Chief didn't get that. Like, why does this kid, other than he had a comic on the shelves, and, and in 1984, he was a pretty popular character in the comics. Um, but, yeah, so strange. When did he come around? Uh, uh, 80, or, well, he was invented in 78. But uh, technically 77, the last few days of 1977. So uh, everything good comes out of 77, right? Right. So, um, so he, he gets he gets invented then, but doesn't really take. It fails. And he, he joins the Justice League for a little while. And then in 1982, he gets his own ongoing series again. And that's really when his popularity took off. So by 84, which, you know, they probably spent sort of working on 83, probably with the way how far they have to work in advance on these things. He was pretty popular. Um, but yeah, it's so strange that, to, to make such a big deal. Like you said, the opening credits, Matt, every episode introducing Firestorm. I, I, I guess we're <laughs> just capitalizing on the popularity at the time. Cause it seems like he was a popular character at the time that wasn't already in the super friends. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or they knew it was going to help boost sales of his comics, getting him on this cartoon. Right. Or going to put his eyes, put him in the, in, in front of the eyes of a completely new audience. That may not read comics and then might recognize him when they next walk by a comic rack. Oh, I've seen this guy on the Super Friends. Actually, I'm, I'm going to take us a different direction there. I would say it's not to boost comics. This is the season where they started selling toys. You know, the name oh, is rebranded. Yeah. Super Friends, the legendary the superpower toy. show. And this is the year when the superpowers action figures started coming out. Now, Firestorm wasn't in the first wave. He was in the second wave. But that first wave, they're really trying to, they're slowly moving everything from super friends to superpowers. And Firestorm was going to be a superpowers figure. So that's what I think they're really going after. That's the money for them. Good point. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? And, and while we're talking about the, the action figures and, and the tie-in, uh, my theory is if this had gone an additional season, do you think we would have seen Dr. Fate? As a member of the Super Friends? Ooh. Well, he was, a, you know, Dr. Fate and Green Arrow and maybe Red Tornado, I think. No, that's not right. Maybe. Uh, we're all in the second wave of figures. So, yeah. Actually, that probably would have made a lot of sense to, to keep the toys. I mean, because come on. It's, it's the 80s. It's all about selling toys, right? So they would have kept the toys in the cartoon in sync. Yeah, good point. I forgot yeah. to I forgot to look that up, actually. What is on the Firestorm toy? Is it Flame? Uh, it... it it looks 
more like the second season. It's like kind of sculpted to almost be fire, kind of, sorta. But okay, like so it's soft still edges. vague. Yeah, right. yeah, but it's not. It's not that hard. Like use a Dairy Queen mold yeah. uh, from the first <laughs> season with him. He's he's getting amigo soon too. Uh, yes, he is. Yes, okay. he is. Wow. All right, so let's um, let's get because there are a lot of big changes. Not only like you said, yeah. they started adding superpowers to the name, but there was like the artwork got a big upgrade. We've gone from like Alex Toth designs to it looking much more like the DC style guide done by Jose Jose Luzi Jose, Jose Luis. Garcia Lopez. Praise be his name. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Shag. I was raised in the church of Mike Zach, and I will forever be in the name of the church of Mike Zach. Oh, hey. Mike Zach's amazing. I mean... Freedom of religion. (laughs) Secret Wars was my my intro to superhero comics, so I'm with you, buddy. No, but... um, so now we're actually seeing, you know, the characters looking even more like their their comic book interpretations. We get Adam West taking over the voice of Batman from Olin Sewell, who had done it since the beginning. And Olin now is doing the voice of Professor Stein. And tragically, well, I shouldn't say tra- but uh, Shannon Farnan, who had been the voice of Wonder Woman, uh, gets replaced by Connie Coth- uh, Canfield or Caulfield. And I just don't think her voice works as well as Wonder Woman. I don't know if it was. No, it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if I was just so into the original Wonder Woman voice that a, a change. But when BJ Ward takes over next season, I think it's an improvement again. I agree. I yep. I, I wonder. I, I wonder. To me, it's like, you know, you have the different. It's like when any voice like that changes after so long, like in Mystery Science Theater, when they keep swapping the robots around, it's weird at first, but mm-hmm. you kind of get used to it. Like, I think if they had stuck with it, it would have been fine, but it's so different. It's so different that it, it can take you away. You know, I, I could see where it would like stand out to you. Yeah. I, I think the in the Galactic Guardian season, I guess that was BJ. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, nothing to take away from Shannon because she was amazing. Absolutely. But something about BJ, kind of a sultry voice. I yeah. mean, kind of like, you know, like, mm-hmm. mm, I kind of well, dig in this. And, and they definitely, with this, with the, the legendary superpower show, basically make more fo- focus on the fact that Wonder Woman is hot. Firestorm <laughs> <laughs> is noticing. Darkseid, of course, wants to make her his, her bride. You know, yep. it's it's definitely, and then she's the whole... dating Steve Trevor. Is a oh yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Is a thing. yeah, he's in a couple of episodes. Right? Yeah. Does he know yeah. that she's Wonder Woman? I wasn't clear on that. I assume he does. Not, right? Yes, he does know. Does he? Yes, because there's the Dark Side Deception episode makes that right that pretty clear. That's why I bring it up because when she changes like right there, I'm like, well, I guess he knows. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is good for a healthy relationship. He probably could. <laughs> be a hell of a way to break it on a date right (laughs) so you know it's interesting too i would say uh, these two seasons also do something different and maybe you can correct me because you guys have spent more time with the super friends than i have recently like i you know of course i grew up on it but i haven't revisited as much as you have i feel like these two seasons spend a lot more time focusing on secret identities because you get a lot with ronnie and professor which is unusual and then you mentioned the Diana Prince episode. And then, of course, there's the fear episode with Batman where it's, you know, it, they, they literally have scenes where Bruce is talking to Diana 
Yes. And they don't tell the audience who they are. Like the kid has to be plugged in to know, oh, that's Batman, that's Wonder Woman, but they're not in costume. You know, like right. you, you got to have to know. So yeah. I feel like they did a lot more with secret identities. And I, I dug that. And they definitely that, spent yeah. they definitely spent more time in space. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is the Galactic Guardians, right? That's yeah. true. Right. It's right there in the name. Good point. They're, yeah, yeah, they're mapping star systems like they're working for Starfleet or something. What, what was that about? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Although I, I have to say, is Darkseid and, and all of his minions the most incompetent bunch of uh, villains ever, or is it just me? <laughs> I mean, they, you know, I don't, I don't know how they can even tie their own shoes. I mean, every... <laughs> well, they, they, he, he they, needs a mustache to twirl. He's so bad. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, he does shake his fist at the screen as he escapes <laughs> through the Stargate at the opening of the the Superpower Show. I. I kind of dig the Stargate effect. I don't know why, but that, yes. that gets me every time. I really dig that Stargate effect. But but you well, do almost expect, and I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling. Yeah, you friends. meddling kids. Is, oh, for real? Well, no, it's, it's always Caliban and, uh, and uh, uh, what's the other guy? Uh, Desaad. Desaad, yeah. Desaad, yeah, that mess everything up. And, and uh, But, I mean, I, I couldn't help but notice it was very similar to uh, Thanos, you know, uh, in the Marvel universe, obviously coming through those portals and uh, you know, a lot of the same abilities and the same stature and physique. Well, isn't Thanos based on the uh, dark side? That is exactly correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mike, uh, Jim Starlin, when he was at Marvel, uh, basically created Thanos as kind of a dark side copy. Uh, And then when they go back to DC, they kind of create Mongol as a Thanos copy. So it's like, it's, it's a Xerox of a Xerox is kind of what the deal is there. I did think it was interesting. They call them Stargates rather than boom tubes. I don't know if they were yes. worried about the name boom because that's what it is oh, in that's comics. Where that comes tube. from. Yeah, I didn't know that. So, I heard that term. Be- I heard that. Uh, I've heard that term before, but I didn't know what it meant. There had to be some, you know, network head meeting where they're all pitching and like, no, I can't call it a boom tube. This sounds too much like the boob tube, or, or it sounds like a drug or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. And they, they couldn't call those guys the uh, parademons, right? Because uh, they couldn't use the word demons, so. I didn't even pick up on that. You're right. Oh, I forgot. They yeah, they had to, to be call parademons. Them, yeah. Paradrones, I believe, is hmm. what they call them. Yeah, I was reading about that. They, uh, yeah, a lot of parents complained about it. I don't know if they used it once and then they got complaints or what. Well, this would but, have been uh, like peak D&D panic, so probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, point, point. <laughs> <laughs> people in their basements trying to summon dark side and his right. parademons. Right. demons. <laughs> right. And, now, and now we have like Harry Potter, you know, to, to, to go just to show how things have changed. Right. Like now everything is all occult. Everything is cool. But yeah, this is back in the day where like, if you even had a D and D book, you were like a Satanist. So I, oh, I, yeah. I imagine they wanted to stay away from all that very much. Well, I, I think that the, maybe what this was is the development, at least for season eight, where, they, they looked at how successful Challenge of Super Friends was. And I don't think there's any denying, even back then, they knew that that was the top tier season. And they said, all right, we had a season long reoccurring villain, you know, villains, you know, it was right. the Legion. So I feel like they kind of said, all right, so we're going to say, or, or maybe they just looked at He-Man and said, okay, they got Skeletor. I don't know, whatever. But they decided to have a season long big bad. And that's where Darkseid comes in. And really up to this point, he, he was in the DC comics. He wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, he... The new gods were their kind of their own little thing. I had never really heard of them. I had never heard of them okay. at that point. Yeah. yeah, I probably you know now you say I I wouldn't have either until yeah. then. Like Luther, and, Joker, of course, Riddler, all them. Yeah, but uh, Darkseid was yeah. out of nowhere. Right, and then after this, I mean, he is a list for DC from then on, and so Super Friends or Super Powers, whatever you want to call it, really pushed him 
into becoming an A-list character. Oh, was it the show that, mm-hmm. that really? Okay, because yeah, because I, I certainly saw more of them later, but I never mm-hmm. put that together. Even I wasn't introduced to Dark Side until the Superpowers show in comics. Yeah, interesting. interesting. Yep. yep. Um, that episode with uh, Lex Luthor was it me or was he hanging out by himself in the Hall of Doom? Because that it looked like the interior of the Hall of Doom, even though they didn't really show it. It may have been. It may have been like him just kicking around. Like ever since that dark side came along, my leader the doom. <laughs> well, I mean, because where, where did everybody else go? They 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 abandoned Luthor because obviously his plans never worked, right? So we do see that Brainiac is upgraded to his more robotic form to yep. match yep. the toys. Yeah. Well, Lex was probably still. He was probably stuck with the mortgage for the the Legion of Doom, <laughs> the Hall of Doom. So he like he's like, well, I I'm paying for it. I might as well live here. Well, they built yeah. that a literal swamp. So <laughs> probably wasn't wise. Yeah, like the value. I, mean, I, I was watching it, going, "Wait a minute, is that the Hall of Doom?" Because it sure looks like it. It looks like the interior, but well, they didn't show the outside. You mentioned the art upgrade, but you know it's fair to distinguish. You know, season yeah. eight, which is the Super Friends Legendary Power Show, and then season nine, which is Galactic. I mean, season eight still used the old animation style, right? And they were still cutting every corner they could. So I don't remember which episode that Lex one was in. So, but if it was season eight, it would make perfect sense if they were reusing old cells because they're just yes. trying to save the money. So that would make yeah, a lot yeah, of sense. Well, they de- well, they definitely reused at least one clip that appears in I think is the first episode. This is season nine because uh, it's like, and I, I don't blame them for using it because it's really well done. But it's it's like a it's like an interstitial or whatever of, uh, or a cutscene, I guess, of this woman like looking towards the camera and screaming. <laughs> I knew exactly what you were going to say. Yeah, yes. yeah. It looks really good though, so I don't blame him for using it. But when I saw it again later, I'm like, wait a minute. I swear I saw that before. It's in a bunch of the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, think about it. We're kids. We're watching it. You know, one week later, we're not right. going to remember. It's like there's this really well illustrated hot lady, you know, looking scared for her life. <laughs> but there, there were some instances in the in the, in the uh, ninth season where I thought the art was pretty inconsistent because you, you mm. and, and I think it's most obvious with um, Firestorm and especially Cyborg. Because mm-hmm. you see Cyborg and he's all nicely shaded, you know, and then when it cuts to the other ones, there's like no shading again. You know, the drawing, mm. the, the drawings can change significantly. It's 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 different from character to character. Like some consistently look better than others for some reason. Interesting. OK. Yeah. About the art. I just want to mention there's some very well-known comic artists in the credits for season nine uh, that helped in. I don't know whether it's I didn't look at specifically like animation direction or whatever, but uh, Rick Hoberg who did a whole bunch of All-Star Squadron and did some stuff for the Ultraverse and stuff like that, uh, is credited. Uh, Jeff Darrow, who did a whole bunch of independent comics in the 80s and 90s, and Mike Vosberg, who was a big comic artist in the 70s, 80s as well, all credited in Season 9 for some of the art, which is pretty cool. Or art design, you know, kind of thing. Uh, I'm sure they farmed it out to a you know an animation studio in another country. But And then, and I, I don't know if you noticed this, Matt. I hope I'm not stepping on your notes. But Season 9 features the uh, casting person of Andrea Romano who would go on to cast pretty much all of what, like Batman animated series and Justice League Unlimited and all that stuff. So I guess this is where she kind of got her foot in the door with uh, voice casting for DC. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I definitely get that impression. Um, it, because, well, before we move on, because I, I think we mostly want to talk about the Galactic Guardian season because that's really, you know, some of the best stuff since Challenge of the Super Friends. Um. One of the big things about legendary superpowers is no Aquaman. 
Yeah. Right, he, right. He does not appear in I mean he's in the he's in the opening sequence riding his seahorse, but it's essentially Firestorm has replaced him as one of the five core super friends. I have things to say about that. So, uh, so I, I, my, my bona fides, if you will, for why I merit being on this episode is uh, I, I was being big fan of Firestorm. I actually did a Firestorm blog for about eight years, uh, and then I did a podcast about Firestorm for oh my gosh, I don't know, many years. Let's just say seven or eight years till it kind of faded out. But uh, the the theme of the podcast is called the Fire and Water Podcast, and it was actually all about Firestorm and Aquaman okay. together. So we talk about Aquaman comics, talk about Firestorm comics. I mean, two completely nonsensical characters to put together, but it just worked for me and my partner. Yeah. And so for me personally, being the Firestorm guy, my partner being the Aquaman guy, I'm perfectly fine with Firestorm replacing Aquaman and the Super Friends. I think that's <laughs> just fine. He had like seven seasons, He, you know, or eight he seasons. Had his, yeah, he had his run. He had his own cartoon in the 60s. Go away. Go talk to some fish. Right. He had, he had his run. He was fun. He Maybe he stuff. went... Maybe he went back to Earth too with Solomon Grundy. Oh, Matt's baiting me. I'm I'm going to resist the bait, Matt. <laughs> well, you know, uh, and just to briefly to briefly go over this, so that people who don't listen to who haven't listened to your show, there is the debate on whether there was ever an Earth two Aquaman, and both you and your your co-host over at fire and water network have differing opinions and my actual opinion actually follows falls right in between both of yours oh. i get where absolutely both of you are coming from you know when when they first started doing the earth two characters dc did not do an earth Two batman superman green arrow or aquaman they were obviously supposed to be Earth One exclusives, and then as they went on, they brought in an Earth Two Superman, they brought in an Earth Two Batman, they brought in an Earth Two Green Arrow, but still, for whatever reason, never bothered with an Aquaman until uh, Roy Thomas added them to a couple of episodes, uh, a couple of issues of All Star Squadron, and really, until that point, there was no Earth Two Aquaman. I can get on board with that. Uh, it, it's one of those, you know, once he was created, it goes backwards and, you know. Well, it was also 15 minutes before the crisis and everything gets wiped out. So that's exactly. what I say. Does it really count? <laughs> no, I guess if crisis wiped it out. Yeah. But it's, it's something we nerds love to discuss and fight over. Wait, nerdy comic fans getting all pedantic and arguing about something? That's so <laughs> weird. It had to happen sometime. Right. So I did have one big picture thought going into this. You know, I was excited to watch this stuff because you're talking about transitioning between the seasons and it's related to that. I was so excited to go back and rewatch these. And I, I didn't watch everything in uh, preparation, but I watched a lot of it. And it's funny in my head, because I loved Firestorm so much in this, you know, that's when I really became a big fan in my head. I was expecting to like the season eight better than season nine, which is, you know, the Super Friends Legendary Superpower Show. The first season was uh, with Firestorm. So I rewatched some of those. I'm like, okay, these feel kind of like some of the weaker episodes of super friends but with firestorm okay you know they're not bad they're fine whatever and then you get to season nine i'm like holy crap this is what the cartoon should be wow i mean there is a distinct improvement not just in art but like storytelling i mean it's really uh, a really good uh, season and i like what you said it's the best season since childhood super friends i think you're probably right well it's definitely got the best opening of any of the any of the seasons 
it's just you got you got dark side you know and all the super villains the first time you see joker in mm-hmm. any super friends episode but you got dark side with that typical i'm going to take over the earth and then yeah. superman comes through a wall you see batman wonder woman all again looking exactly like their comic book counterparts like you could be taking those cells and pinning them up on your wall Firestorm flies in like a boss. It's almost its own cartoon because it tells a story unlike any of the other openings. Mm-hmm. It tells the stories of the Super Friends invading Darkseid's headquarters and taking them on. It's just fantastic. So, um, so Shag, you have uh, what's your recollection? What is your recollection of the seasons before uh, eight? Before Legendary uh, Powers, like do you? I, I imagine you haven't watched recently, but. Well, I've watched them recently, but I mean, I watched them a lot growing up, and then I watched them in reruns over and over, and then I think when they got on Cartoon Network, I was taping them. So, I mean, I, I could I remember exactly what Zan and Jaina said on the Yellow Brick Road? You know, probably not. Sure. No. But a, a big picture, a lot of memories, yeah. W- would you say season eight is probably your least favorite of the weakest or whatever? See, again, I'm, I'm so biased because Firestorm's there. That's, that's where I have a problem. Yeah, so, because... Fair enough, but aside from Firestorm, then. Uh, the, the stories are just very vanilla, you know? Uh, well, so I don't know if I would say weakest, but certainly they're like, I started going through the, I have it, I have it on DVD. I'm going through it. I'm like, yeah, I don't like what I was like. So I'm like, I'm going to watch my favorite episodes of this season. <laughs> I watched like two and I'm like, okay, you know, the rest of it's not that great. So I, I, I can't say weakest, but it, I would much rather go back and watch many of the other seasons because the, the literary season, absolutely. I'd watch all that before these. Yeah. I, well, the thing is, I'm entirely with you, but I'm enti- I, I agree with you entirely, but for actually a, a, a different but related reason, mm. right? Okay. See, I, I'm not as much of a comic collector, uh, and certainly not in regards to DC. I was more Marvel than anything, and even then, only a few characters and 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 barely, right? I'm not like mm-hmm. I'm not like Matt, who's been collecting since he was like six or something, right? Um, yeah, there's something wrong with him. I know. So, so most. <laughs> Well, I, I get the, the point being is that most of my understanding of DC characters comes from more or less Super Friends, the, the mm-hmm. movies, and 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 sort of ancillary things. So when we when Matt had decided to do, uh, you know, the Super Friends retrospective, we'll say I was a little intimidated at first because I'm like, man, all I vaguely remember about the Super Friends was it being about a handful of DC characters that I know but don't care that much about, and mm-hmm. the stories were just kind of dumb. <laughs> and, and not much of it, so I'm just like, man, this is gonna suck. So, uh, or at least you know, I'll you know, I'll, I'll try to push through it. And you know, at least for the for the first seasons that we did, two through seven, es- uh, especially the slightly earlier ones, like I found myself really getting into just the silliness that was actually in front of me. Zan, okay, Zan and Jada in particular, the, they who I thought would be the most annoying actually ended up being in some ways saviors of the show for me. Um, well, I could understand. I mean, an ice bicycle and an octopus. I mean, yeah, yes, that's going to save anybody. Right. right? I, that's st- <laughs> I still think about that like twice a day. <laughs> okay, I still think I'm still waiting for the action figure it, on that. It's, it's, really, really... it's still... going to be first in line to buy it. And, and by the <laughs> way, and by the way, an ice bicycle would have been slightly better. It's an ice unicycle. Oh, unicycle. I'm sorry. Can you think of a less... <laughs> Can you think of a less useful mode of transportation than an ice unicycle? And she chose an octopus. It's indoors. It's about like the worst. A shark might have been slightly better. But it's stuff like that. Like that's still, like I said, I still think about that twice a day. And you can't buy something like just something that makes you smile like that. 
or or going going way way back the episode where it was the industrialists that were committing terrorist acts including like yeah. destroying natural reserves in order to teach us the people how to better take care of our natural resources <laughs> <laughs> it's stuff like that that just it just like it broke my brain and it's like okay <laughs> i get this i get that i'm enjoying this ironically and maybe i shouldn't be but the amount of entertainment i was able to get out of it was just like wow okay so you know when season eight i'm like okay zan and jane is still in this cool but it's like you know what they grew up they they picked perfectly reasonable in the few scenes that they were in they picked perfectly reasonable things to turn into um it just nothing really worked. It wasn't silly enough to really go with. Although it did amuse me when you see Lex Luthor, like he's got his new toy power suit. He's taking on everything. And the first thing he does is knock over like a number truck and picks up the literal dollar sign bags. <laughs> like that's, that's where his mind still goes, I guess. Like that, there were still little bits and pieces there. But yeah, it didn't hit me. And then I was afraid of season nine where, okay, season nine is a heck of a lot more, you know, they treated it a heck of a lot more seriously. But it did resonate. Like there was some really good stuff in there. Like the fear episode is really good. Mm-hmm. The look, yeah. the look they give Batman with the tears out of nowhere. It's like whoa, yeah. That that wow. That's that's really good. The death of Superman was was really good. Um, the Bizarro World was really cute. <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I'm with you. But just um, you know, just from a different lens. Like it, season eight didn't to me. It just didn't feel like exactly it knew where it wanted to go yet. Um, and then when it did pick a direction in nine, I feel, yeah, it's, it's, it is much better. Well, having just watched the full season of the legendary superpowers, I barely remember most of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember the, the, the two part opener, you know, with, with it, yeah. which introduces dark side and all them. But other than the mirror master episode, the reflections on crime, which now, yes, that is, that is, in, and, and that's mostly for the scene where Superman is trapped in the mirror universe and he's flying around to the mirrors to look into our universe. And he first he tries to talk to Lois Lane, but he can't get through. My favorite part is he flies up to a mir- mirror, you hear a room, woman shriek, and <laughs> yes. quickly turns around, whoops, yes. sorry, ma'am. Right, <laughs> yes. You, you get, like, you get a few decent moments in there, but it's not vampires with laser shooting teeth, you know? <laughs> like, those horror episodes that they had in the earlier seasons, those were, those were Oh, great. yeah, those were scary. I love yeah. those. So well, let's let's move on to the the final season. Yeah. Superpowers team Galactic Guardians. Uh, like we already mentioned, it, it's it's even more of an upgrade since the previous season. Uh, unfortunately, Olin Sewell did not return, um, so it's the first season he's not part of the cast. And the even the the Hall of Justice looks different. Oh yeah, yeah. major it's much upgrade. Much more like a bunker. Yeah, yeah. Um. We we get yeah. more of the uh, like. Flash yeah, I always thought it was the Pentagon. Honestly, that you mentioned <laughs> that, Mike. When I was a kid, I remember seeing that, thinking, "Oh, they're at the Pentagon." Yeah, they took over the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> that they is a well have. that's a sweet uh, upgrade for them. Like it almost feels you know you talk about Marvel. It feels like the the Super Friends went from being like this I don't know clubhouse kind of setting. To almost like Avengers, you know, they've got a giant sure. compound, they've got a shuttle, they're going into yeah, space all the time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they feel like they hit the wrong. big time. 
Yeah, did, doesn't it have like some kind of a force field too? Because that, that yeah. can yeah. a couple of times. Yes. So nobody can get in anymore. So as, as long as you don't accidentally lean on it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a, yeah, it's a it's a pretty yeah. Well, that's why they got rid of Gleek, right? He's gone, so but he's not. Gonna... We, we also like you get, it's the first time you see Joker in an episode yes. of Super Friends, and that's a really good episode too. First time you see Penguin and Felix Faust. What a right, Felix Faust. Yeah. That's that's a deep cut. Um, yeah. The Royal Flesh Gang. That's a real thing, right? Yes, yes but absolutely. They're, they're portrayed differently in this, but they are in fact in an actual. Uh, hmm. And 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 yet they they like to keep that ten is yes in fact a ten. Yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I actually I really liked that whole gimmick. I thought that was pretty sweet. The season opens with the Seeds of Doom, which is heavily based on a Jack Kirby miniseries from this about the same time. This is working for and, DC, obviously. Yes. Yeah, in fact, it was uh it was tied into the toys. So they when when Superpowers came out the toys, they did a line of comic books, a five issue miniseries and then a six issue miniseries, and a specific called Superpowers. And yeah, it's the second volume of that Superpowers, and it. It, it it the story you're right parallels a lot, which is still one of my favorite comic series of all time. That second superpowers, you know, I, Jack Kirby firing on all cylinders. You see him draw the entire Justice League. It's just amazing. Visually, amazing it's incredible. Story wise, it's kind of bonkers. I mean, it's, it's like super nuts. But I like Superman's flying back in time to like Camelot just because you know kind of nutsy stuff <laughs> but it's it's so much fun and it's and that's, say, that's that sounds kind of fun honestly <laughs> that's where and i fell in love with dr fate that miniseries just about every one of those issues can be read on its own yeah as well yeah. that's know, true it, it, it's fan. it's almost like it's it's introducing you well and that's what it was supposed to do i guess is introduce you know new people to the those characters and stories without having all the uh continuity bogging it down mm-hmm. fantastic stuff matt did um i saw al milgram's name uh, as one of the writers in this did, did you did you get him to sign did, did he sign any of your super friends stuff when you met no, him? i only had him sign in marvel stuff oh right on. did you see that in the actual credits or just on imdb um i can't remember exactly it might have just been on imdb honestly because uh, Jerry Conway was also credited. So Jerry Conway and Al Milgram together created Firestorm. Oh, I see, so, I see, I see, I see, I see. And I asked Jerry about that one time. And he goes, uh, he's like, he's like, I, I, it's so kind that people put that credit on IMDb. He goes, but I had nothing to do with it. Right. You okay. know, it's all, they're just saying that because that uh, they based some ideas on mine. He goes, but I, and so he, he very, you know, politely said, I, I don't deserve that credit. So I'm guessing probably the same for Al. Okay. Which is another step forward for the show because it was refusing to give credit and royalties that kept Black Lightning from appearing on right on right. the Super Friends. Yeah, Black Vulcan instead. Yeah, yeah. So, Caesar Doom introduces, um, and it's it's funny because it it introduces Cyborg, who was a member of the Teen Titans, one of the most popular books on the stands at the time. Mm-hmm. Ernie Hudson and. Yeah, represent. That's a this big. Twi- was, that's a that's a big Twinkie. Yes, that's a big Twinkie. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time in the in the cartoon is the first time Cyborg would join the Justice League, which since the New Fifty Two back in uh, what was it two thousand ten, he's been a staple of the Justice League. Right. Yep. Right. How how old am I to understand Robin is at this point? Hmm. 
Because he said I, something like, because Firestorm says something like, I got to get Cyborg on the team so there'll be someone my age. And I'm like, Right, I remember that. What's uh, Robin's yeah, age? Yeah. I kind of, I, I, and this is more based on the fear episode, okay? Like when we saw him in his suit and everything. Right. Um, I'm going to peg him at like 19 or so. And I think Firestorm's more in like the seven, I mean, 17 and 19, really at our age, there's no difference there. But to kids, it seems like a world of difference. Sure, that's all sure. I can think of. So, got you, got you. Because that's, that's the other thing I was thinking is like maybe Robin's closer to 20 and he's a bit more like 16 or so. Yeah, that sounds or, logical. Or maybe a little older. I'm, I'm not sure. Okay. I was just kidding. I just thought that was a strange comment. I'm like, Robin, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> he's right there. Right. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Robin, you know, voiced by Casey Kasem, I believe Robin, Casey Kasem as Robin and Danny Dark as Superman are the only two that voice those characters for the entire run mm. of Super Friends. Oh, yeah, I think I you're right. I think you're I, right. They changed Aquaman early on. Um, we already mentioned that it was the previous season that Wonder Woman was changed. And, you know, Adam West took over for Batman as well. Yep. And then the other characters, like Apache Chief and Green Lantern, who kind of stayed the same, they were so in and out, and they didn't start and they didn't finish. So, yeah. Right. Huh. I got to say, this is a completely unrelated to all this, but credit to my wife. I'm watching Super Friends last night. She's in the next room <laughs> and says, is that Casey Kasem? Oh, right on. <laughs> I'm like, whoa! Well I'm done. like, well done, honey. So I was very impressed. That's a, that's a woman you marry, right? There. <laughs> well, I did 19 years ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, nice, nice. It was. I'm, I'm, I'm actually at 19 too. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Twinning. Yep. <laughs> so cyborg. Also, we get a lot of backstory on him. So sort of similar, the carrying over that sort of secret. I mean, he doesn't really have a secret identity so much, but they we do see a lot of stuff that he does outside of the heroes. So it's almost like they're trying to almost marvelize the characters, make it more like Marvel. We're like, oh, you know what? These people have personalities. They have lives outside of being superheroes. And, and they did a lot more this season. And and they're not excited to be a superhero. Mm. And also, it's it's yes. And also, one of the th one of the interesting things about Cyborg in particular. Is Baxter is pretty damn gruesome. Not that Batman's isn't, but we won't know that for another four episodes. Mm -hmm. and, but Cyborg's in particular is like really gruesome. Yeah, and he it and, really is. And he, and he later talks about how like he can't hide his identity and, and stuff. It's like that's that is that's pretty heady stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, for as much as a cartoon can be. But honestly, it's like wow. Like so, yeah, he's mostly metal, not because cool, but because like it keeps him alive because <laughs> he was like yeah. mangled and that's really dark, you know. That's a good point about how that is. It is a very Marvel backstory too, it's, you know, the, the, the unwanted power kind of thing. Right. It's an interesting one to drop on you the first episode. Yeah, stuff that goes back to like the thing and over on DC yes, Robot right. Man. Yeah. You know the you know why am I crushed to be inside this this body? Mm-hmm. So. One more quick thing about Seeds of Doom before we kind of move on to other stories. Well, the thing I was most impressed with about it, besides the fact that it's a fun story, sure. I mean, it's, it's like the storytelling is actually more exciting than the previous ones. I mean, we did lose the humor that uh, that that Todd loves so much, right. but in exchange, we got exciting stories. So, I mean, I'm, it's a trade I was willing to make. But oh, sure. uh, Wonder Wonder Woman in Seeds of Doom is extremely competent and successful and powerful, and they don't treat her like crap. 
Like she is resourceful. They go to Apocalypse and like, you know, uh, Cyborg's like, do we need to help Wonder Woman? Firestorm's like, she's got this. Don't yes. worry. She's freaking Wonder Woman. Right. You know, and she is totally playing Dark Side. She is beating the crap out of people. She's ripping open, you know, doors. She is a force to be reckoned with. And I was like, okay, that is very progressive compared to, you know, Wonder Woman last season who became the bride of Dark Side or whatever and, you know, got all brainwashed and everything. So I feel like they they took a big step up for her this that and that, at least in that episode. And and when she is in an episode, she's usually like, you know, Superman, like in this case, she's leading the team. Yeah. Mm, good point. And what she does in, again, in the bizarre superpowers. <laughs> and again, what's great about this is, you know, Bizarro returns. We hadn't seen him since Challenge of the Super Friends. But in Challenge of the Super Friends, his character isn't as it's portrayed in the comics. And he's basically an evil right. being in Challenge of the mm-hmm. Super Friends. Yes. Whereas here, he's returned to more of the way he is in the comics as just almost comical, you know, mischievous. He's an oaf. And in the way because of his powers. Right, he's more of an oaf. Yeah. Right. And and that's Bizarro number one. So I like to think that the Bizarro who was in Challenge of Super Friends is like, I don't know, Bizarro 74 or something like that. Like, you know, again, a copy of a copy of a copy. He's like, yeah, something's off with this guy. You know, could be. Could be something Luthor created to be in the Legion of Doom. Yeah. Oh, true. Yep. And, and Bizarro, he's, he's a strange character that, like, he works in small doses. Like, too much of Bizarro, the silly Bizarro that is, it's just annoying. Like too much is annoying. But like that episode, I don't know whether I don't know whether it was the running time or what. But it was it was just the for me at least just the right amount where I was yes. laughing the whole time. Yes, yes, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's good as a full length, say twenty minute episode. But no, you might be right. Like maybe the length was allowed them to do just enough, like pack it all in, but not feel like too much by the end of it. Well, plus getting to see, like, you know, the Bizarro Wonder Woman, yes. Cyborg, and, and Firestorm was a lot of fun as well. And then you got <laughs> Mr. Mixelplex oh, causing, right. you know, trouble as well. And I also like the uh, what they did with the, the Bizarro the Cyborg, where it looked kind of like Tin Man. Like, yeah. His old design yes. changes a little bit. I, I like that one, too. It looked like a, looked like a tin can, right. like, you know, like a, a vegetable can. And then the Firestorm, you mentioned earlier, the Firestorm one, just the floppy hair. Yes. Instead, the of, instead of a star, it was all moons and yeah. squares instead of circles. Like, I, and like, because Firestorm has puffy sleeves, which are sort of silly. But there, his puffy sleeves are, like, so long, they're, like, hanging over yes. his hands. I mean, yeah. I laugh so much at that. Yeah. yeah, his Bizarro in particular was a great design. The hair, the hair gets me every time. They had to have a good time. That they must have, the designers must have had having a lot of fun with that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, like like I said, what I, what I appreciated about this season, especially in light of the one before it, is that they picked a direction. Uh, it seemed like the last one they couldn't really commit to being as silly or or as serious, so it just kind of fell somewhere in between. And while I'll probably remember the truly silly stuff because you don't forget laser teeth shooting easily, <laughs> um, you, you know I do appreciate it. I, I do. It took me a little while to warm up to this because uh, to, to this season, um, but you know certainly by the uh, fear episode, it, it, you know I could really get into what they were trying to do and appreciate it better. I'm wondering if they realized maybe the audience was growing up with the show. Like, they weren't getting new, younger viewers every year. They were getting the same viewers who were growing older each year. Mm. Yeah, it could be that and the the idea of 
targeting the toys at older boys, you know, rather than mm-hmm. the, the toys are probably not targeted at seven year olds. They're probably targeted at like 11 year olds. Right. And so they realized, OK, we've got to make the storytelling a little more sophisticated. And and it's also we're getting near the end. Not, not only was this near the, the end of the Super Friends, but it would just be a few short years when Saturday morning cartoons would come to an end, period. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's when civilization stopped. Oh yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, Mike, you nailed it. I mean, like I've always thought, like the the, the death of Saturday morning cartoons is is so sad. Like my kids yeah. didn't have Saturday morning cartoons. Instead, they just turn on the Disney Channel and watched it all the time. Or then yep. streaming comes along, yeah. and they pick and choose. And yeah, yep. No, I mean, I, I, that's, that was a hallmark of our youth. I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every Saturday morning, I was glued to the TV. I mean, around noontime, my mother was like, you're going to go outside for a few hours because uh, you need some fresh air. But... That's about when sports came on anyway, right? Like, it's right. like, you know, you're watching, you're watching cartoon, cartoon, then the wild world of sports. Uh, I'm going to go outside well, and play. Sneak back right. in because uh, we, we had something over here called the Creature Double Feature. So it was full of uh, horror movies. So, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a podcast about that at some point. But yeah, so I mean, essentially, I could be glued to the TV all day long on Saturday. But yeah, thankfully, my mother would occasionally kick me out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and and actually, my my parents were getting divorced when um, Legendary Superpowers came out. So I remember seeing that first episode with Firestorm, and then I didn't see the rest of that season, and I did not. I, I didn't see Galactic Guardians until I watched it the other day. I just oh. finished the last episode. So, yeah, it was th- – th- this was great for me to finally complete that arc. So. Oh, right on. So, so coming – and maybe this is the same for you too, Todd, but coming at this as cold, you know, not having seen him before, you know, for me and Matt, I mean, I think we're programmed in our DNA. For you guys, if this is your first time seeing it, it's like how does that – I don't know. Like, does it? Do you find it engaging? Is it something that you'd be like, "Yeah, I really enjoy that," or is it more like, eh, "It's an artifact. It's fine." Like, any thoughts on that? Um. So, all right. As far as like the ninth season is concerned, if they had done a, a, a tenth, especially when I was younger, and if I was more engaged with these characters than I am more or less superficially, I think I would appreciate. I think I would have appreciated what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, as an adult and someone who does not have a great connection with these characters. So like, I don't have a whole lot to say about, well, Batman, I've seen there's like a ton of movies, but for some of these characters, I don't have a whole lot to say other than what is in this. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's all so superficial, but you know, when you get hit with the insanity that can be the earlier episodes, like for example, Oh, well you couldn't outrun that bear cause you didn't eat enough breakfast. <laughs> that's the type of thing and that laugh is the type of thing that's going to stick with me forever um you know if i was more engaged with the characters i, I could definitely see like all right yeah well it's definitely season nine and the earlier seasons didn't treat them right entirely fair entirely fair but there's something of the charm of the previous seasons that just stick with me more okay what about you uh mike um well i mean uh I, I don't think these two seasons are my are my favorites, you know, to okay. be perfectly honest. I mean, I um, you had mentioned the literary season. That's probably one of my that's favorite fantastic seasons. seasons. Yeah. It really um, is. It's great. Yeah. Fantastic. It, but I mean, I, I, I actually go back to the second season. I mean, that's really when I started watching uh, uh, the Super Friends because uh, I was just old enough to, to really start watching that. And uh, 
Um, that, that's a season that really kind of sticks with me. But, I mean, I, I didn't mind the legendary superpowers. I didn't think the stories were that great, but I did like the Guardians better. So, I mean, like I said, I was glad to complete that arc, and, and I've actually watched all the Super Friends episodes now. Uh, because it's odd. I mean, I didn't really comic books when I was younger, so this was my introduction to the DC characters. Mine as well, more or less. I mean, I knew them yeah. somewhat because of the, I think I had even seen Superman or something by this point, and I obviously knew Matt read, was reading to the comics, so I was more aware than anything else, especially of Superman yeah. and Wonder Woman because of the TV shows and stuff. Mm, yeah, good point there. Yeah, yeah so, good point, yeah. So Matt, for you as someone like me who had this in your DNA... Do you, are these seasons like yeah we've arrived or is it like ah they went wrong? The for me the superpowers team Galactic Guardian is in my top three. Okay. Um, it, my my top is definitely Challenge of the Super Friends. Mm-hmm. Then I gotta go with what we're referring to as the literary season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then it's these Galactic Guardians because it really is as close to that Bronze Age, Silver Age, Justice League as these cartoons ever got. And that's my favorite era of comics, the, the the satellite era of the Justice League of America. Okay. I think I'm right there with you in the rankings. Uh, Challenge of Super Friends, Literary, and then this season. Yeah, uh, season nine. I, I, I would agree. For different reasons. Uh, I'm, I'm not so much a Bronze Age guy. I mean, I love the Bronze Age stuff, but I just feel like, you know, again, the, the other two seasons are, speak for themselves. This one, I just felt like the comic, the cartoon elevated. It became... Like it was trying it to keep did. up, yeah. It was trying to keep up with the He-Man's and yeah. the Thundercats and whatever else was out. I'm, I'm, I may have my year yeah. off on Thundercats, but either I way, it's trying right. to keep up. So I, I just felt like it. Yeah, okay. The, it's this thing I loved growing up is finally growing up with me. Is what I felt like. And that's a really good point, actually. I, I didn't think about, I didn't think about the contemporary cartoons at the time, and how how uh, what what they were trying to do. But that's a good point. Like you can definitely see in season nine that they improved everything, whether it be the mm-hmm. storytelling, the art, everything. You, you, I mean, there's no question that it was elevated uh, in season nine for sure. Um, whether, yeah, whether that resonates with you, I, I guess kind of, it, I, I always suspected depended on how, how, you know, whether or not you were into the comics, because either you're yeah. getting more of what you were looking for um, or, you know, or it just didn't stick. But uh, I think it's, you know, a hundred percent season nine, I mean, even I can tell, right, from a layman's perspective, if you want to put it that way, even I can tell that, oh, yeah, season nine is clearly, clearly, you know, more grown up. It's clearly closer to the comic books. They're clearly treating these characters a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's get to what may be the best episode ever done for any Super Friends. Oh, the Fear. Oh, it's a really good one. good one, but I don't know. Although I, this would... I have a question about this episode, but go ahead. Uh, about Robin. This would be the first time we would see the origin of Batman in anything outside the comic books. Okay, yeah. N- never before, not any of the movies or TV shows or cartoons prior to this gave us the origin of Batman. And this was it was originally written as the as the as an episode for a Batman solo cartoon series that never got picked up, so they they restructured it and, and used it for a Super Friends episode. But this is the, you know, not only do you see the origin of Batman for the first time, right up with the, the, the Waynes going into that alley and 
being murdered, and they don't show it, sure. but they do it in a perfect way that you, you, you yeah. Joe Chill doesn't pull that trigger. You don't hear the the shots. You don't see them get killed. But there's no mistaking what happens. Right. Yeah. I, I, that's in my notes too. Yeah, they use the thunder uh, of the of the storm to cover the gunshots, which is the perfect way to handle a Saturday morning kids cartoon. But you totally know what happened anyway. Right. And like, you, like this is the first time I learned Batman's origin. I didn't know yep. it before this point. And the neat little tweak in the origin here, too, is instead of seeing the Mark of Zorro, they've seen Robin Hood, which better explains why he hangs, he, he names his sidekick Robin. Oh, clever. I noticed clever. that they changed it, but I, just, I didn't think anything of it. That's, yeah, that's cool. I didn't think anything of it. And I also think this is the first time you ever see batman with his cowl down so you got the face of bruce wayne yes. and like the cowls i mean it became a staple of the comics but i don't think it was ever done in the cartoon prior to this yeah good point yeah i i do know this is the first time we ever saw robin out of costume uh as dick grayson uh so that that had never been shown before as him is just in dick grayson outfit because he's in the kitchen or something trying to balance on a chair you know in yeah. the suit yes so that was the first time we'd ever seen that so that was they were definitely trying to expand but yeah you could you could totally tell it was supposed to be for a batman cartoon because like all the stuff with the super friends looks tacked on yes like they're like it's like oh trouble alert let's talk to them at the headquarters and then diana prince comes hanging around because you know that's what she does but it feels tacked on plus batman plus it seems like batman and robin are drawn like noticeably better uh, especially in those scenes (laughs) where they have the and the animation like they, they have more fluid animation um in those suits and um one one thing that struck me about that episode was that was the impact of Batman showing actual fear and not even because of the scarecrow. It's because this memory is truly affecting him. Mm-hmm. Like, that's incredible when you think about it, you know, because again, I, I know I'm sure Batman has shown a range of emotions in the comic and stuff. But I mean, this is you don't see Batman too much except for being well, a badass. And here he is showing he's actually, you know, this actually bothers him. I thought that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, a few short years in the comic, Batman would unfortunately become pretty much a one-note, unstoppable, infallible character, and for me, became much less interesting. Oh, really? Well, you know, I I, I thought it was interesting how Commissioner Gordon called him the Man Without Fear because that's the only time you you hear that reference anywhere in the Super Friends. And, yeah, yes. Uh, Both it, Daredevil. Both both Daredevil and Green Lantern were saying, hey. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you stole our thunder, yeah. Trademark yeah. infringement. Right. <laughs> You're to hear from Matt also, Murdock. <laughs> also the only time you see Alfred, too, right? In in the entire Super Is that right? I think you see him at least once before. We we'd see him once or twice before because we even saw a bizarro Alfred in the challenge of the Okay. Good call. good call. Okay, so I think corrected. So the other um, the other questions I have about this episode is so okay, so Scarecrow throws down his fear thing and Robin's afraid, but he's afraid of heights? Isn't he an acrobat? Yes. Yeah. The doesn't he live <laughs> Robin, on zip lines and rooftops? Like Right. <laughs> grew up a member of the flying grace. Yeah. The logic would have made more sense. <laughs> the logical answer they they could have done was to say like he's scared of heights because his parents died on the trapeze or something like that. Yeah. 
but they didn't give us that. You're right. right. So it is sort of like the circus acrobats scared of heights. What the what? Yeah, the guy who just travels by zipline more than I travel by car is something afraid of heights. Yeah. Always shown at the top of the building right. looking down on the right. criminal. I, I was like, what the hell? Okay, sure. But, Why not? But how creepy looking was that skull device? Yes. Yeah. The scarecrow was yeah. really well done. That could have been a really cool movie. Now I didn't. I did not pick up on that, except like I could feel when I was watching it. Like, wow, the animation seems really inconsistent here. But yeah, if if it was meant for a movie, that totally makes sense. Now this is I, I I think this may be the best episode Super Friends ever did. It, it is certainly the one that I like. It, when I try to think back to episodes and I try to think of the plot, you know, this is the only one I can remember the full plot of. Everything else yeah. is. Oh, that's the one where Aquaman got turned into a whale, right? Yeah. Or, you know, it's like that kind of thing. Uh, or Apache Chief fought, fought Gigana. But here I remember the whole plot from, you know, uh, Crane, the whole thing. So it's structured like a really tight. It's a really well done story. So I got to agree with you. I think it's the best one. Uh, an argument could made. It's not the most fun easily. But uh, I think it's probably the best structured one, yeah, and and best yeah. illustrated one. That's a that, God. That's a very good point. I mean, for as for as much as I can think of fun moments, I can I couldn't tell you what episode they were in or what or what else happened in the episode in most cases. But th this is the one that yeah really sticks with you the whole way through. This episode could stand up with um, the later Batman the animated series. Sure, it's. That yeah. well told. Oh, sure. It's that well told. And and again, when the animation is good at it, it's it's noticeable. Yeah. It feels almost like a proto version of that. I mean, we're what yeah. this is eighty five, so yeah. we're what four four no, it came out that came out with uh was it ninety two when the animated series started? I think with the second film. Yeah, it was sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Batman Returns was the Yeah. Yeah. So we're still, you know, a good number of years away from it, but it just it definitely feels like the beginning of that. Uh, th then the, another great episode for the season, as we mentioned earlier, the wild cards that introduces yes. a new uh, royal flush gang. And I don't think anybody was surprised at who turned out to be the big bad behind <laughs> yeah. them and mm -hmm. who turned out to really be the ace. Um, I love how Batman deduces it because he's right. looking at the, the headquarters made it, and they've got all the cards in the desk. All but one. It is such a Batman solution. Although yes. two two seasons previous, he would have had to use the Bat computer for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you got Adam West doing the voice, you know, now it's like, yeah, it's going to be a little different. Oh, speaking of Bat computer, this is this goes back an entire season. So I have to jump back to season eight real quick because I have to point we have to point something out, which I'm sure everybody noticed. But perhaps the most egregious use of, I guess it's not the Bat computer; it's like the Super Friends supercomputer or whatever. The most egregious use of computing technology was to take a photograph of Firestorm and determine <laughs> that he was two people based on his, what was it, like spectrochromosome? Come on now. Stop that it. Is, that is the most insane moment. And it was in my notes, but since we didn't go deep on it, I didn't want to go into the minutiae. But yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, I can't yeah, let that it, go. It, it's not like they had a sample of his blood. No, they did it from no, a picture. A photograph. You know what? Yeah. You know what? You know what this is? This is the CSI Miami moment yes. where they take a photo and go, enhance, enhance. 
enhance and they just keep enhancing something that taking this blurry thing and turning it into a crystal clear photo you're like that's not how math works and yeah. science works but okay uh, or somehow they're able to get a different angle than right right yeah that was one of those well wait am i gonna rewind that moment <laughs> like i just gotta make sure that that's exactly what i heard because that's incredible yep that's exactly <laughs> what they did they took a picture and figured out by his tna that he's two people okay <laughs> okay there, you know, it's 1984 when they wrote that. There was a lot of cocaine in the ABC I, studios at that point. I, so. I suppose so. I suppose so. But that's that's one of the things I was saying. Like, eight does kind of have its moments. <laughs> well, another interesting thing about the wild cards is, that, again, it shows a redemption arc for one of the villains. Mm-hmm. You know, it turns yes. out that, you know, one of these, you know, newly recruited supervillains Maybe isn't all that into like, okay, wait a minute. It's one thing when we're like stealing something from, you know, a lab or whatever, but you know, this whole world domination and maybe even killing people. I'm just not into that. That's, that's, that's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's very interesting to go from, because again, it's giving more of a dimension to some of these characters than you ever got before. Cause most of the, most of super friends leading up to now has just been very black and white, good versus evil. Well, yeah, like I, I can imagine, well, cause especially when dark side shows up, it would be like if we decided we were going to knock over a best buy or something. And Darth Vader was like, okay, let's go. Like, all right, maybe, maybe this is a bit too much, <laughs> you know, cause you don't want to, you don't want to screw with him. <laughs> right. Like once dark side is involved, that's like the only way, Next is either like awful, awful deeds or probably execution. <laughs> well, but you also know that in any sense of close to reality, there would have been the argument. Well, wait a minute. Why do you get to be the king of Spain? Oh, for sure. How come I'm the jack of Spain? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my wife even said that because I was playing in the background. And she didn't care. But she's like, why does that one get to be the queen? And I'm like, OK, <laughs> I see it's getting catty in here because um, the other one's a 10 right? well yeah I, I did like the moment so this is this brings a question and a, a thing that I love that's so goofy with, with cartoons and superhero stuff is first of all when Batman switches costumes with Jack right and uh, and Jack's getting ready to be trapped on the cards whatever in the disguise you know in the Batman disguise why didn't he just go hey Joker it's me I you know I'm your t- oh, don't do it don't put me on the card so I don't know why he didn't raise his voice but more importantly what I like is later Batman is in the Jack costume, pulls off the Jack mask, and underneath it is the Batman mask. With the ears and everything. I I love these double masking. I I, I love that. I always love how those ears are pointy as hell, but suddenly aren't under anything it needs to be not pointy under. Because, well, one, he can't undress and become Bruce Wayne in front of the bad guy. Right. But also, you certainly not the Joker. Did he have to? Because he probably had that spare Batman costume in his utility belt right next to the Bat Bazooka. <laughs> Bat Zooka, right, the most right. Yeah. I'm assuming he had to undress the Jack of. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are some deleted scenes to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Best not to dwell on it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the I loved the character designs in this. I, I understand. I guess they're from the. I looked it up a bit. I, I guess they appeared in the comic books at some point yeah, before. Yeah. But as you said, under a different premise and uh, not led by ultimately the Joker. Spoilers, I guess. Um, 
but I, I really liked the design on them. I thought that was totally, I thought that was really cool. At first, I, I, I you know, especially when they showed up at the House of Cards, which I, I, I almost hit the floor when I heard that. Like, of course, that's the name of it. That's amazing. I, <laughs> I, it's it's incredibly gaudy, but for, I don't know, somehow the design really, I, re, I really dig it. And I especially loved, um, I think it was the Queen's like weird power that made, uh, oh, who was it Firestorm where he started like tripping that weird hallucination of Oh, yeah. All the little diamonds were ever floating around his face. I yeah. I thought that was really <laughs> trippy. I thought that was really cool, though. That that design of her all like weird, jagged, and stained glass. I, 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 I the, the design, the fun that they had with the theme in this episode, I, I, I really appreciated. I thought they, I thought they knocked it out. The, the Royal Flush Gang goes way back into old, old, old Justice League comics. So when, when I, just like you, when I saw that and I was having so much fun with it, I'm like, how did they not introduce these villains earlier? Like, I, these would have been great under Al in Alex design. Toth design as well. You know, yeah. they would have looked great in the challenge, you know, maybe not the challenge season, but any of the other seasons. I'm like, I was shocked it took this long to bring them in. That's a good point. I didn't realize how old they were. I'm with you. Like, this seems perfect for a cartoon. Mm -hmm. uh, perfect yeah. for a Batman, especially. I mean, unlike the Joker and the Penguin, who they couldn't bring in because another cartoon, I think Filmation, still had the rights to those characters, I don't think there's any reason they couldn't have brought in the Royal Flush Gang. Yeah, they go back to 1966. Yeah, that's, so. that's a great point. They, they should have showed up where earlier. They would have been perfect. Yeah. And as I, I think... Because, I, you know, Darkseid turns out to, you know, because Joker's behind them, but Darkseid's the one behind the Joker. And I, I wonder if they just felt that was necessary to explain why the Joker would have the ability to give the gang their abilities. Mm. That's a good question, cause it's, it's, because it's... otherwise, Darkseid, why have him there? Right, because he seems so tacked on. And when I saw that, I'm like, well, they're just sh shoving him in here. But I'm like, well, it's his season, and that's what they're doing. So I didn't think of it any further than that. But that's a good point. I, I guess it could be their way of explaining why the Joker was able to do this. Like, I've taken so much for granted for eight seasons. Like, it, I didn't even bat an eyelash that he could just do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I, I took me a while to think of it. One of y'all mentioned earlier about how Darkseid was so ineffective with his cronies. And it, it, I, I was uh, like trying. That was Mike. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Mike said that. And I was trying to like, okay, compare it to something. He's like Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. He's that, yes. they're, that, they're that inept. You know, it's every episode. The same voice. Darkseid. Totally. The, the Frank Welker Darkseid voice. That's really yeah. good. That's my one superpowers. I can do Darkseid's voice from superpowers. Whoop-de-doo. How long can you do that before your voice is just like that I forever? Know, like, I can do it for about five minutes, and then I'm just trashed. Okay, <laughs> he was also Soundwave in the Transformers, sir. Uh, so. well, Frank Welker yeah. did ju just about everything. Well, Frank yeah. Frank Welker's my um, Whit Bissell, uh, uh, just because why wouldn't it be? I mean, he's the voice of my childhood. And he, exactly. he does he does some of my favorite voices. Like he's the voice I think of when I think like Batman villain characters. Um, it's the voice of, you know, Mixoplick or especially the Dollmaker. I don't know why, but the Dollmaker mm. voice in particular cracks me up. Well, if we're doing with this line, might as well pipe in with mine. And mine is Rene Abajonois. Oh uh, yeah. Not only because I just love saying Rene Abajonois. <laughs> <laughs> But he, his character really does add a lot to Darkseid because, you know, 
Darkseid's the villain and decides his Q yeah. section, basically. Yeah. It's like yeah. a Destro kind of, right? Yes. Like, the, he, Rene Abergenois, he just eats it up. He eats the scenery with that character, with the voice. He really just sells it. He's great. Um, but the, the thing about that character, which cracks me up, that they put him in a kid's cartoon. I mean, he is essentially supposed to be the Marquis de Sade. I mean, he is supposed to be a sick, twisted dude in the comics who, like, you know, experiments on people and does all kinds of terrible stuff. Torture. Yeah. But let's put him in a kid's oh, cartoon. Really? Sure. <laughs> oh wow! Because they portray him like a snidely whiplash, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now that you mention yeah. it, decide how I didn't pick up on that until just yeah. now is incredible. But but uh, probably because I've been watching a children's cartoon and it didn't occur to me. But that's great. <laughs> that's yeah. great. For for all of Jack Kirby's genius, subtlety was not one of his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that like I can only now that I know that that's what he's modeled after. I could it, yes, the the inclusion in a children's cartoon is pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, now we we have to discuss the death of Superman episode, Oof. which is just again fantastically done. Yeah. And considering they had already kind of pulled this in Challenge of the Super Friends with Super Friends Rest in Peace, hmm. they really, I remember seeing this for the first time and really being kind of like, no, nah, they didn't kill Superman. Did they kill Superman? No, nah, they didn't kill Superman. Maybe they did, didn't. I don't know. Well, <laughs> well, this goes, this this all hinges too on the, I guess, is it Super Friends specific application of Green Kryptonite? No, if super in the comics, it was the same. At least pre-crisis, yeah. it was the same. That if he was exposed too long to kryptonite, his skin would turn green and he would die. Okay, so I thought it was just a, a matter of like weakness. Like it would be like, oh, kryptonite, I should walk away from this and I'll be no, fine. No, no, no. That's um, that's the red sun, and um, there's different kryptonites. Like sure, the gold sure. Kryptonite will take away his powers forever. Sure, sure. I, I got you. I got you. So the green kryptonite is actually toxic, I guess, for lack of a better. Eventually, yeah. Like it's it starts off as weakness, then it gets sick, and then I eventually, see. in theory, would be death. So it's like radiation. It that long. It's like it yeah. would be like radiation to you, or I. Got you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the episode starts off with him already deceased, and you know they they do a great job of doing you know a reporter talking about what's happened and and you know the the funeral procession and the pallbearers and another yep. amazing thing is they fly off into space to bury him in the sun there's spaceships from all over the galaxy that you know have come to mourn superman cuz superman was just the, the the man of steel on earth he had saved countless of civilizations throughout the galaxy so the inclusion of that is just again some amazing storytelling he is a galactic guardian yes and and again you know that's like um i don't know maybe burying him in the sun was their way of ensuring that nobody could like the cadmus project could clone him (laughs) yeah yeah they throw a lot of things in the sun in this show. So, yeah, <laughs> they do. it's just their little garbage dump, I guess. Right. <laughs> I, I got to say that you mentioned there, Matt, at the beginning, like he's already dead. I mean, what this is, this is probably the episode where I really started taking notes about storytelling. I'm like, wow, that's really clever and advanced in a kid's cartoon yes. to start after the big plot points already happened and then tell it in flashbacks and show the trauma. And everybody's like, that's pretty clever. And then I got to mention, so they're all wearing the black armband with Superman's logo on it. 
And this is 1985. This is, uh, what, if I, uh, seven years before Superman dies in the comics. And when he dies in the comics, they actually package that comic with a black armband with Superman's logo on it. So mm. I don't know whether they, the creators each came up with that idea independently or whether one, you know, the ca- cartoon inspired the reality of it or whatever. But I mean, I wore that black armband to school for weeks. I mean, I'm surprised I didn't get beat up. But I mean, I wore that black armband when Superman died in 92. And so seeing that there in 86 or 85, 86, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's the exact black armband. You're mm-hmm. right. It's over, yeah, I think maybe somebody, you know, when they were doing the comic storyline, they probably looked back at all the previous Death of Superman stories that had been done mm. and either looked to either borrow or pay homage or at least make sure they didn't outright copy anything that was done before. Well, wait, yeah. wait. There's been more than one Death of Superman story? Well, I mean, you know, he dies and comes back at the end. That's happened a whole bunch. Yeah, I know. I'm kidding. Okay, I, I, you said you didn't read a lot of comics, so I didn't no, know if you were I, easy. I, easy. Let me introduce you to a character named Jean Grey. So, uh, <laughs> oh yeah! Wow! Yeah! 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 Fair enough. Well, I know. I, I. I mean, Matt has read enough that through osmosis, I know at least some. <laughs> like just being close, just being near enough to him, I find myself being related. Well, because yeah. other people will ask me comic questions, and I'll know the answer. Because I'm, and I'm not even positive why, but I'm like, it must have. That must have. Well. When when I first wanted to start a podcast, I initially intended to do a comic book podcast, but I couldn't figure out how to do it by myself. And then Todd offered to be the co-host, and I was like, "All right, we can do that." As a, and then I realized the that podcast would basically be Matt explains comics to Todd while Todd goes, <laughs> "Uh huh, I was uh huh, really, I was uh huh, I was willing to do that." Though, when the premise, because every so often, I mean, and I guess this won't be a surprise to you, uh, given this episode so far, but every so often I would try to ask Matt, like, what's the craziest, you know, origin story? Like, one of my favorite origin stories, it's Marvel, and I think, is it Falcon or someone who, like, gained their powers because they were on power lines with a Falcon? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Black Condor was taught how to fly because he was raised by Condor. There you go. Oh my word! <laughs> it happened. It wasn't there one though that involved electricity, like being on power lines with a bird or something. They, be, I, I think, I think Roy Thomas tried to retcon that as Black okay. Condor's origin because even he knew how ridiculous the other one was. But, but yet, like Jeez. that was the premise. Was would be he would tell me t- some of like the more strange, like you know, truly out there um, stories. Like who's um, who is that writer, Matt? Bob Haney. Bob Haney, yeah. Oh, Bob Haney. Oh, my gosh. So much fun. It was going to be a so lot of much fun. It was going to be a lot of, like, Todd reacts to Bob Haney comic book stories. Well, I'm imagining every episode, Matt's describing the comic to you, and Todd goes, so where does the ice unicycle come in? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. But, uh yeah, it's it, and what what I liked about because at first in this Death of Superman, you almost think like, well, how how did Firestorm screw this up? <laughs> yes, because he's he's really he's taking it hard. Guilt. Yeah, but when you see it, you almost like, all right, well, yeah, maybe he should have stayed with Superman, but he didn't really blow it. No. You know, you, no. you don't really find yourself blaming Firestorm, which really helps the episode. Superman should have known better. He's Superman. Well, I mean, but you get put yourself in Firestorm's shoes. So, like, yeah, no one really blames Firestorm, but Firestorm does because he's thinking, okay, because I couldn't see because my ADHD kicked in, right. 
the the galactic guardians the greatest hero in the universe is dead because i couldn't sit still for four minutes even though he told me to so i i can see why he'd be upset well there is the inevitable like so how did superman die and you have to sheepishly explain (laughs) but but what i'm saying is they could have done this like a a gleek type of thing where he just totally you know like Hey Superman, watch me blow up this mountain, right. and the mountain's full of kryptonite. And that kills <laughs> okay, or, you know, uh, yeah, something even more ridiculous. Yeah. Now you can almost understand, like you know, how often does a guy get to visit another planet? Right. Not very often. I would suppose even if you are firestorm, you don't get to do it all that often. So you know, the fact that Superman, you know, while looking for a cure for kryptonite, ends up uncovering a mountain full of kryptonite that's avalanches around him, and unfortunately, Firestorm is battling some sort of alien shrub. He can't get away, and <laughs> Superman seemingly dies. Spoiler: seemingly dies of kryptonite poisoning. And w- without the and again, it just shows you how flippant they can be about the whole force field around yes. the Hall of Justice. Yep. You know. That's not procedure. Well. <laughs> Firestorm's morning. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I do like all the deep d- cuts they do to the comic book stuff in this one. Like, the, you go to the Fortress of Solitude. You, you get to see the giant key. That's, yes. that's like the first time I've ever given a crap about the giant key. I'm like, oh. Wow, it took Cyborg, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman to lift Superman's key. Okay, now I have respect for that silly thing. And, you know. and here's the brilliance of that is because the key is yellow, Green Lantern can't just pick that up himself. So he has to create a platform oh I didn't even for Cyborg and Wonder Woman to stand on <laughs> and carry the key. You know, they paid attention to that. You're right. I didn't even think of that because I'm watching that going, what is Green Lantern doing? Why isn't he helping? He could totally – That's it's yellow. I, I completely yep. didn't even notice that. I've been reading comics for 40 years, and I never realized that until you said that, Matt. I feel like I an idiot. I completely didn't pick up on it. Yeah. I know these things because I don't know anything but these things. <laughs> Fair trade. But yeah, they because you know Superman usually flies it into the lock. None of them there, but Green Lantern could fly, and he can't pick it up because it's yellow. So he's got to basically create a ramp, a ramp for the two people who can just barely carry it. All the while, Batman's like, yeah. "Okay, keep going. Yeah, right. Keep, put put the key in the lock. Pivot. Now. <laughs> right. Batman is strictly in a uh, managerial role. <laughs> Pivot. I like that. Good. It's like you didn't bring the Bat Superman Fortress of Solitude key opener, Batman. <laughs> yeah, right. The one time you didn't bring it. No, I, I totally and, didn't pick up on the green yellow thing. I, yeah, that's that's that, now I, now I feel so stupid. And, oh. and and then again, once they're inside, you know, there's that first little like, oh, look here, Superman, he's alive in the Fortress of Solitude, but they don't even try to play it off as that. No, it's one of the Superman robots that, you know. Uh, the only thing missing from this episode was another appearance of the Superman Supermobile. Mm. I love that thing. That's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> oh, yes, the Supermobile. Because who doesn't need a flying car when you already can fly with fists? With, punch, yeah, with punching fists. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> He's Superman. He punches things. And But again, this episode is not... And it's got his have... logo on it in case he forgot who owned it. <laughs> lest, lest anyone be, you know, hey, is that mine? Oh, no, that's Superman's. 
It's not just about selling the action figures. It's about selling the accessories as well. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yep. Not only do you get the darkness of Superman being dead, but Darkseid captures a good portion of the Super Friends. Yeah. And takes over the Hall of Justice. Mm-hmm. Basically is tortures about, Firestorm. And is about to have an, a complete invasion fleet invading Earth. I mean, the stakes are high. I, I'm surprised that this, I mean, again, at this time you didn't really do this in, in TV and cartoons, but you would have thought this would have been the perfect final episode, not of just the season, but of the show. Hmm. It, it's, it's, this is one of the definite, you know, it's not one of the, it's, it's one of the best, maybe not like somewhere in the top 10, maybe. But it yeah, is definitely so. a, a must-see episode that I think anybody can appreciate because it's just so well told and so well done and so well animated. Oh yeah, the stakes are definitely raised in this one, without a doubt. You can feel like it does feel like a season ender, or right? it really it does. does. Yeah. Now the the only negative thing I'd say is like I was watching it, you know, it's kind of I was getting into it and everything, and then when Superman shows up and just starts kicking the crap out of Darkseid's entire fleet, I think it's the first time I was watching going. You know, why does he need the rest of the team? You know, is there yeah. really anything that he can't handle on his own? Is he just let them on the team and let them handle things just to humor them? Like, oh, sure, Batman, you go handle that. It's fine. I mean, I could do it in one second flat, but you'll take like 10 minutes. It's cool. You yeah. go do it, bro. I want you to feel like you can you would you you contributed. Especially well, with him yeah. and Firestorm there. And Green Lantern. Right. Like what well, what can anyone do that the three of them can? That's that's a, that's a hallmark of, of every season of the Super Friends is them deciding the least effective people yes. for that particular mission. <laughs> oh man, should be the one to go take care. Of okay, it. going yeah. back to the crazier seasons, one of my favorites, and this might even be in the first episode or it's one of the earliest episodes, is where um, I forget who the villain is. It's probably someone just made up for that episode, and he, he levitates a police cruiser with two policemen in it to the top of a skyscraper, and when the trouble alert comes in. Batman and Robin are like, that's the job for us. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's definitely not a job for you. Like Superman's right there. Right. He could take care of this in two seconds, but that's a you two go. Fine. Go you figure out what you're going yep. to do with your bat crane, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. We we need somebody to infiltrate infiltrate the Miss Universe pageant. Wonder Woman. You're right. I think Hawkman should. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's just, but yeah. um, But again, it shows that, you know, Superman is, you know, yeah, he can't handle things like a boss, but it's also one of those like, all right, we also got to wrap this episode up in the next few seconds. Well, there's there's also a lot of like where the villains almost immediately, usually, um, uh, although this is, I guess, probably more of a thing of earlier episodes or, or season eight, where the villains will always have this like Diablo X machina in, in, in the first act where they just have like, and we'll just strip them of their powers. Yeah, they just have like something that just does it out of nowhere. They always Which, just pull something out of nowhere. It says, oh, this will take take away their powers, except for the one person who can save them. Well, and then they will immediately throw that device yes. away. They'll never they, think yes. of using it again. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that that is a fair assessment to like how the episode just abruptly ends. Superman comes along and, you know, destroys the spaceship and sends the invasion fleet back. But 
it's almost like a Stephen King novel where the journey to get yes. to that climax is amazing, but it's a bit anticlimactic once you get there. Right. <laughs> well, all right. Well, does anybody else got anything to say about this episode or these two seasons? I, I just want to say it was a lot of fun, especially revisiting these. And again, it's just kind of an eye opener for me to be like, oh, yeah, season nine really is better than season eight. And it's just not the way it was in my head. You know, the memory cheats. And uh, it was really fun to revisit this. And I really appreciate you having me on for it. I, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. I'm so glad you could be here. Yeah, this is a great talk. I'm, I'm, absolutely. I'm absolutely glad you're here, man. Thank you for doing this. Um, this is this was fantastic. I, I do have another Firestorm question for you. <laughs> um, Bring it. Uh, one that has been bothering me. So, okay. So Stein, Stein and Ronald, do they need to be in the same place to become Firestorm or not Firestorm? No, they do not. They can uh, they can actually be on the other side of the planet, uh, and and as long as one of them can trigger it, there was even is there a there range, definitely... or is it just they have to know to be concentrating at the same time? They don't have no. Just one of them has to concentrate. Actually, oh. so one of them like uh, th- that was always a hallmark of the cartoon or the comic was like you know Ronnie would be I don't know in the middle of a basketball game, Professor Stein would trigger, and Ronnie would be like, I can't, I'm going for a layup, <laughs> and he just, you know, gets pulled away. So the like way it. it would work. So would he just disappear? So, yeah, like he used to do. Yeah, whoever triggered it would be where Firestorm would appear. Okay. The other one would disappear. So, like, they caught Professor Stein in the shower a bunch of times. Like, he'd be in the shower and Ronnie would trigger it, and Stein's like, you know, soapy covered with bubbles or whatever, right. you know. I, I, um, I was going to say, what if one of them was having a romantic interlude and all of a sudden awkward? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> there was there was one episode. It was so stupid where Professor Stein didn't have his glasses on when they transformed. So Firestorm's vision was blurry. What? Which is like, oh come on, that is ridiculous. Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, no, it does not. So okay, so does the does the receiver from the triggerer, we'll call it, does the receiver have to agree? Like they can just say, can they just say, no, I'm watching X Files or something? <laughs> Or um, a romantic interlude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to say there were ones where they did try to resist, but I'm pretty sure nine times out of ten they they win. Well, I, I imagine I imagine. So is it because the other person gave up, or is it just look, we're doing this and that's it? Like get, jump in, nerd, we're fighting crime or whatever. I think pretty much it was it was going to happen. Okay. I, I don't remember an instance other than one time where they were in a big fight where the the, the professor refused to merge. Oh wow. But, okay. Uh, yeah, so, I think uh, anyway. So it can be done. So when yeah. they when they when they're done and they split back apart, do they decide? Do, do they are they able to decide where each other ends up? So that is the part that screws one of them is when they separate, they appear together. Okay. So like there was one time where Ronnie and the professor, the professor was in Antarctica. Okay. You know, or or the either the Arctic or Antarctica, one or the other. And Ronnie's like in New York, right? So they merge. To, uh, Professor Stein calls him there. So Ronnie's up in the Arctic now or Antarctica or whatever, flying around. And when they're done, they're like, um, if we split, how are we gonna explain Ronnie is now in the Arctic? Gotcha. So they had to fly home <laughs> but as Firestorm <laughs> before they could uh, separate. I got you. Okay. Okay. Wow. Those are those were just some burning questions for me. I'm glad I could well, help. Yeah. There's a lot of weirdness. I mean, who else to ask yeah. but the expert? Well, and then you then you get into a whole lot of other expert. you get into a whole lot of other awkward questions like okay, teenage boy with a middle aged yeah. man well, sharing a body. I, I mean, I've seen some pictures of Batman and Robin. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, Batman and Robin um, always dodged all that. Yep, yep, very true. A firestorm should be able to. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's true. He has uh, quite a few abilities, too. I've got a list in front of me of all of uh, Firestorm's abilities, and it's pretty mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. But to be fair, we can compare him to both Superman and Batman's utility belt. Because I've seen Superman pull, not necessarily in Super Friends, but Superman historically, especially like 50s Superman. I've seen him pull some pretty interesting stuff out of nowhere. Well, I mean, the, the whole molecular, you know, reconstruction and stuff like that. I mean, I don't, I don't believe Superman has that capability, but, uh, um, you know, they do have a lot in common. Yeah, I mean, just the, the as you said, the long laundry list of powers. Yeah, I mean, they're yeah. very different. You're right. But, they, yeah, they both have a ridiculous amount of abilities. Yeah. Well, well, like, I swear I saw Superman once, and I don't remember exactly why, but I swear. So there was, like, a kind of like a walls caving in kind of situation. And Superman somehow hypnotized Lois Lane into being, like, rigid enough to stop the walls. I don't understand even the comic book science behind that. <laughs> I swear I saw that happen. That was the that was the old black and white adventure. Okay, so that did happen. Yeah. Yes, they they did actually do that. <laughs> wow. I I mean I did that trick once myself. I mean it's just something you do when when the chips are down. You got you got to get through it. Batman can like stop his heart, but yeah, Superman could just hypnotize you into into being Jeez. steel. I guess. <laughs> Batman used to travel backwards in time by hypnotizing himself and traveling backwards in time. But that's a real thing. I saw it on Dark Shadows. Basically, exactly that happened. Oh, okay. Well, that's legit, though. Yeah, so it was, yeah, that was on, like, real TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, at this point, we tend to do the recommendations. So, uh, Shag, do you have, for, for people who enjoy Super Friends, what, what else do you think is out there that they might enjoy? Uh, well, there's there's a current run of comics pub- written by Mark Wade called World's Finest, and what he's doing is, uh, and I, I don't read many current comics. I'm really an old comic kind of guy, but he's taken sort of the iconic versions of Batman and Superman and a lot of the stuff like Supergirl and Robin and stuff like that, and put them in adventures that are just fun. They're they're like they're adventurous, but there's a fun kind of bent to it. I mean, not you know ice unicycle fun but it, there's definitely a fun to it <laughs> few things and are. right it's some of the more fun team-up comics i've read in a long time so i would recommend uh the current run of world's finest by mark wade if you're if you're if you ever subscribe to the dc infinite platform they're on there you could read them as part of your subscription or you could probably find them a collection of them at your library if you don't want to spend the money you know and, and just give it a shot so world's mm-hmm. finest right on. all right uh, I am actually going to go and recommend comics as well, but I'm going, you know, of course, with um, the the there's currently out there an omnibus for a new omnibus for Jack Kirby Bronze Age that includes both first two volumes of the superpowers are in there, as well as some of his Sandman and um, some of us other like real out there stuff like his mob comics and the uh, weird worlds comic that he that he had done uh, as well as just you know find some justice league comics and and you know there's there's a type of justice league for everybody out there like i mean you you have your podcast the the Bwahaha, you know justice league mm-hmm. international so if, if you want a comedic take on superheroes the the justice league by um um Oh, come on. I know this. Oh, J.M.D. Mateus and Keith Giffen? J.M.D. Mateus and Keith Giffen is just some, 
you know, it's fun superhero stuff that's lighthearted. It's almost as I think as close to Super Friends as the actual comic continuity ever became. Ever came. Do you have any of these issues, man? Yeah, I actually have a the a run of the first um, year or so. Oh, right. On. So I, the 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 pitch is uh, for the Blahaha Justice League is that it's it's what happens in between the fights. It's yes. like okay. the office. For superheroes, like okay. you know, hanging out in the embassy together, <laughs> and like whose turn is it to take out the trash? I mean, that kind of like silly stuff. Gotcha. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't actually happen, but that's just kind of the analogy of you know the p- pissing and moaning at each other because they don't like working together, kind of stuff. The like the interstitials of the Hall of Doom. Yeah, they're just yeah. kind of milling about before someone comes up with. Usually, Luther comes up with their big plan. Yeah, there, there was a great running bit for a couple of issues of simply Booster Gold and Blue Beetle trying to catch a mouse that was running around the headquarters. Oh, yeah. fun! All right. And let's just say, at one point, they're running away from a giant mouse that is very mad at them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, what do you got? Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna recommend. Uh, I just saw this movie recently, The Flash, the new uh, Flash. Um, it was so good to see Michael Keaton as Batman again, because uh, oh, you know really? he, he often doesn't get a lot of credit. So, he, yeah, he he did such a good job in that movie. He basically stole that movie. I mean, you know, the the Flash is great in the movie, but seeing Michael Keaton as Batman is even better. All right. All right. I, I enjoyed the movie myself. I, I don't understand a lot of people who are saying like, well, the movie doesn't matter anymore since they're canceling the Snyderverse. I'm like, why does the movie have to matter? No, it's Other a movie. Other than just being fun and entertaining. <laughs> right. It's, it was entertaining. Exactly. Right. It, it's either, what, yeah. two-ish hours of entertainment or it's not. That's, yeah. Right, I mean, right. if you don't like it, that's that's fine. I get it. Or you don't want to see it because, you know, Ezra Miller, but, you know. What about the other people who worked on it? For sure. No, no, he, he did a great job. But I mean, it just it was just so good to see Michael Keaton in the Batman suit again. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a great actor. My wife and I love Michael Keaton, anything he does. But it was just good to finally see him complete, you know, a trilogy. You know, now this is his third movie. <laughs> Very cool. Yep. All right, Todd, what do you got? Uh, honestly, I've, I, I mean... <sighs> I, I struggled to get through recommendations for the first two. Like I've, I've kind of run out. I mean, this is, this is a little bit out of element, both with cartoons and uh, comics. I mean, um, for comics again, it was, it was primarily Marvel and that's, that's going back forever ago. So I'm not even sure what I could recommend that would remotely apply. And as far as cartoons go, man, I was always a Looney Tunes guy. I still am. I still love classic <laughs> Looney Tunes. Like that's where my head goes. That's probably why anytime I watch a given a cartoon or anything animated, I want it to be probably more silly than not. Nice. DC DC is still publishing a Looney Tunes comic. Oh, fantastic! That's <laughs> honestly those are my first comics. I I started reading uh, Looney Tunes comics uh, uh, more than any comic anything else. It took me a very long time to read any superhero comic at all, uh, which ultimately ended up being the X Men. All right. So, Matt, if I can, I'm totally kicking myself. There was a much better recommendation here that I should have recommended, and this might even appeal more in your kind of area, Todd. Sure. There, there was a Scooby-Doo team-up comic that they did 
I don't know, 100 issues of or something, about published by DC. And every month, it was the Scooby-Doo gang teaming up with some character from the DC universe. Oh, right on. So with like Superman or Batman or Supergirl. And then it gets bonkers crazy. Some of the obscure characters they pick or, you know. Anyway, they had a lot of fun with it. The, cart- the, the comic was always, it felt like an episode of Scooby-Doo with superheroes. Always enjoyable. Uh, and they always kind of knew their audience. So they put a little, you know, firmly plant the tongue in the cheek and throw some jokes in there and stuff. And uh, Scooby-Doo Team Up is a fantastic uh, comic that's a great melding of uh, Saturday morning cartoons and DC stuff. Matt, you must there have that, a, right? Because there is a fantastic issue where he teams with the Spectre. Yes. Scooby-Doo actually gets possessed by the Spectre, and he's, like, attacking the Vengeance. <laughs> it is amazing. It is I was going to say this sounded familiar. I guess I have to grab that. It is one of the most joyful moments in a comic book in the last, I would say, thirty years. It is just simply amazing. Yeah. Good pick, Shaq. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, pick. All, that that sounds all, all in. Yeah, I'm all in with that. That sounds great. And even the the one where they team up with the the Marvel family, you find out that both the words Zoinks and Jinkies will turn those two <laughs> oh, no. characters into superpowers. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> And they even, I forget what it is, but like they, they show you which each one of those letters means. Okay. <laughs> That's it's awesome. Great stuff. All right. I got to check that out. <laughs> All right. So um, we, uh, we usually wrap up the, the show with the uh, Magnificent Seven Degrees, where we connect what we're talking about to my favorite movie, The Magnificent Seven, in Seven Steps or Less. Uh, does anyone besides me have one? I do. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go with... Uh, all right, and so in the Brainiac episode, um, the one who played the like the transformed uh, cyborg, the robotic cyborg, is an actor named Robert... I think I'm pronouncing this right. Doki or Dokui. Uh, D-O-Q-U-I. And I found this out like accidentally... Uh, basically it was, um, so I'm, I'm more or less cheating here. I don't, I don't do it off the top. I can't do this one off the top of my head, but I found this out accidentally. So I'm going, which is why I'm going for it. But this, um, the same actor, the voice actor also played Sergeant Warren in all of the Robocops. Um, he's the, he's the African-American one with the mustache. Um, he was also, the death sergeant. yeah, the death sergeant. Exactly. He was also in Miracle Mile. Um, uh, he was, oh, by the way, he was also in, uh, my science project and cloak and dagger which are two uh, episodes that we had done on the podcast. And also just because it abused me, um, he was a voice actor in the Pound Puppies cartoon in the mid eighties. <laughs> <laughs> he was in uh, Miracle Mile with Anthony Edwards, who, um, as we know from ER, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, of course, Revenge of the Nerds, uh, husband of Mayor Winningham, which I only just realized. And um, he was also a goose in Top Gun which includes the great Michael Ironside, who, among other things, is one of my favoritely named characters, Overdog, <laughs> in um, 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 uh, Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. The voice, of the, the voice on the intercom in Space Hunter, Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, is Harold Ramis, who we know from Ghostbusters. Shout out to Bernie Hudson again. Uh, and I could have gone that way, but this is more fun. Uh, who directed Groundhog Day with Brian Doyle Murray, who was in Fuzz with Yul Brynner. Wow. Okay. Uh, Mike or Shag, do you have one? Okay, so I am not truly prepared, but with a couple of seconds of Google Foo, mm-hmm. uh, I have a little bit of a cheat. Mm-hmm. How's this? Um <laughs> 
the movie, which I've never seen, so again, I'm really cheating here. Soldier in the Rain from 1963 features both uh, Steve McQueen, who was in The Magnificent Seven, and Adam West, who was the voice of Batman in this season. Oh, great pull. So, I don't care but again, that. that's great. Yeah, that was total cheating, but you know, at, at least I could throw some throw a bone in there. Well, you, Matt, Matt just stored that <laughs> in his memory banks to pull it out of somewhere in a later episode. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard him. I heard him type it into his brain right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, I didn't have anything prepared. So, like Michael Keaton in the Flash, I'm going to say pass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going to do one for each season. Oh, right on. So, so for the legendary superpowers, I'm going to pick Renee Bourgeois, who was the mm. voice of of Desaad, and people will know him either from Benson or from Deep Space Nine, yep. where he played Odo. Mm-hmm. But I'm going with he was in the film version of Mash, where he played Father Mulcahy. Okay. Oh my gosh, he did. You're right. In Jeez. the film version of Mash. <laughs> Donald Sutherland played Benjamin okay, Bacchus. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Donald Sutherland was in The Dirty Dozen yeah. with Charles Bronson, who was in The Magnificent Seven. Mm. For Galactic Guardians, we have Ernie Hudson, who was the voice of Cyborg. Ernie Hudson was in Leviathan yes. with Richard nice. Crenna, and Richard Crenna was in The Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen. Wow. Nice. Impressive. Well, as always, we want to thank everybody. Oh, well, you know, before that, Shag, as we mentioned, you're in the Firewater Network. Um, do you uh, want to go ahead and uh, plug your, your two the two shows you're currently doing? Sure. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, you can again, Firewater Podcast Network. We do a whole bunch of shows on pop culture, mostly comic books, maybe some sitcom stuff, music stuff, whatever like that. Uh, and I am on a few shows. <clears throat> My main show right now is the Justice League International Wahaha Podcast, where I am covering those uh, Keith Giffen and JMD Mateus funny Justice League issues. Been doing that for seven years now. I got uh, one year left in the show, and then I'm finally done. Wow. Uh, I'm also doing a show called Once Upon a Geek, which is where I talk about whatever the heck I want. So uh, every month or so, I'll pick a topic and talk about it. And usually it's something fun uh, that I like because it just brings me happiness. The whole point, the only real rule in the show is it has to bring me joy. So I'm not going not gonna to gripe. And then uh, I'm doing some stuff on our Justice Society Presents show where we're focusing a lot on the Justice Society and a whole bunch of other shows that I'm over there. Usually you'll find me on Sundays on the network. What was the, um, what was the last thing that brought you joy? What was the last episode? Uh, Blue Devil which is a very fun DC superhero who they were, by the way, well, he, he was actually lined up for a third wave uh, or fourth wave, whatever it is. The, the, when the superpowers toys stopped, the next wave was supposed to have a blue devil figure. Like they even did production drawings for Kenner and all this stuff. So he was this close to having a superpowers action figure. So we might've been talking about him, but either way, uh, it was just a fun comic. It was a, you know, it was very short lived, but uh, it was the, the tagline was we're making comics fun again. So, okay. and in my 44 years of reading comics, I, Blue Devil just always was under my radar. I read him in other books, mm-hmm. but because of your not not the the latest episode, but the one before where you covered the preview, I found the first six issues of Blue Devil, picked them up, decided to, and it, you're right, it is just so much fun. It is, uh, and I want to thank you for bringing that into my life. 
I'm so glad you enjoyed it. I, we read your feedback on the recent episode saying that you were looking to buy them and are looking to get into it. So, yeah, I'm so glad you liked them. Awesome. Oh, it, it was, it's a ton of fun. It, it was reminded me of the, the Impact comics that oh, were, yeah. were a few years later about, you know, trying to go for a wider audience. Yeah. No, that's, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Now, do you talk about, like, hobbies and, and stuff as well? Yeah, I've, we've talked about uh, again. It's if as long as it's something I enjoy, like just I was talking about Doctor Who. Gotcha. Uh, do you remember the the V? Oh, uh, we like, did an episode on it too. Okay, really? yeah, yeah. I, I spent Fantastic. like ten hours talking about V. Uh, oh, we talked about John. talked a lot about V. Talked about oh gosh, uh, I've interviewed my own daughter. Talked about like what it's like to be a geek nowadays, and you know what it's like to be a teenager. So stuff like that. Just any kind of varied topics. Oh, very neat. It's a fun show. I enjoy it immensely. Oh, we could talk about V forever. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, don't, don't get me started. Or the show's going to go another hour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I'm going to remind that folks that they can find me on uh, Twitter and. We're now on Blue Sky as well and Instagram, all under Movie Matt Sorois, one word, M-O-V-I-E-M-A-T-T-S-I-R-O-I-S. If you want to look for us on Facebook, we're under the Movie Asylum of the Weird, Bad, and Wonderful, where I use the alias Marcus Sorois so I can get away with being a little snarky on uh, certain movies that I am dared to watch, shall we say. (laughs) And uh, we, we thank you I, for listening I, and hope to have you back next time. I, I would argue that the, some of the movies you were being given to watch constitute as a threat or something. Like, it can't be legal being asked. Like, some of the stuff that you have, have, have had to see, it can't, be, it can't be legal to ask someone to go through that. <laughs> some of them have been crimes against humanity, but... <laughs> you know, the, the worst... You know, I mean, those Billy watching... the that Billy the Kid or or whatever the one was before it that was excruciating, and I only watched about fifteen seconds of it, but it was an excruciating fifteen seconds. Watching bad movies really helps you appreciate other movies. It does. It, you it know does. how many how many times have you heard somebody say this like a certain movie was the worst movie they've ever seen? And you're like, really? Yeah. Boy, you must only watch awesome movies if this is the worst thing <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> It's all subjective. Well, plus it can also it can also really help you appreciate when something is at the very least not. I mean, maybe it wasn't intended the right way, and and maybe it's not necessarily good. But damn, is it entertaining? And when something fails to even be that, like it's just a betrayal. <laughs> and and you know, I <laughs> I I would give up. Like I am a totally. I'm not feeling this movie. I'm going to stop watching it, kind of guy. But you actually power through them, which is just. It's not right. <laughs> Probably not it's healthy not, either. It's not <laughs> fair to review it if I haven't seen the whole thing. For sure. For sure. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up here. Uh, thank you again, Jack. Thank you again for coming on. This is great. And thank you, Mike. Oh. Well, thank yeah, you. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Mike. This has been an absolute blast. I really, really enjoyed it. Well, you know, maybe you'll, you'll come back for a future episode. I'll send out a list of stuff we're planning to talk about. And you see something that interests you, let me know. Hey, if you can afford my appearance fee, that's fine with me. <laughs> I might I might have to sell my Blue Devil comics. Oh, no! Well, well, I'm, I'm going to throw out there that we should definitely revisit V because uh, that's one of my favorites as well. So, 
Well, maybe you know what? Maybe we'll do the TV series because we did not. Co- we only covered the two mini series. We did not cover the television series itself. I know, and I gave you some grief about that, Matt. I'm like, you guys were, were, were you know, too biased against the TV series. I, I think there's some great stuff in there. Well, you're talking well, about the classic, think... not the remake. Well, all right. All right. Yeah. You, you guys, you forced my hand. I'm going to have to talk about it for a second here. So <laughs> over, over on Once Upon a Geek, we did three episodes all about V. And I structured it based on exactly what you, Matt was just describing. So, like, the first episode is all about the original miniseries. We also talked about the soundtrack. Okay. Um, we talked about, like, I actually had a composer on who, like, understands structure and music and all this stuff. The guy was amazing. Talked about the the hype and stuff like that. Then we talked about the the final battle. We talked about the comic books. We talked to, uh, we had the, the editor of the comics on, talked about those. We have the novels, expanded novels. We talked about the toys. Then we talked about the TV series. I mean, we... We went after all of it, and nice. uh, I, it's I'm, it's ridiculous how like so the, but the last one I think was like four hours long. But like I w- I'm so proud of all the discussions. It was so interesting. <laughs> I thought, but anyway. Okay, well now it's a V discussion because I got because you mentioned the toys when you talked about. Yeah. Was there ever any mention about an actual release of toys? Because they clearly made something, or was that only ever for the TV? All right, so like. I don't want to. Matt should end this at some point. <laughs> to be fair, and maybe we'll do this off the air or or as a V episode. Well, we, I think we are off the air now, Matt. Fair enough. Well, yeah, um, we didn't do our official sign off, but we thank everybody for listening and hope to have them back next time. Thank you, everyone. Stay gold, people. <laughs>